let me, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, welcome you again and to also thank God for His grace that is sustaining us on a daily basis. We continue in our series that the vicar has since started and it's indeed very encouraging that when you know what happens in Genesis, particularly through a patriarch, it becomes very easy for you to understand the rest of the scripture because the Savior and every other thing that we can talk about that later manifested, started in Genesis. And today we shall be looking specifically at Genesis chapter 16. And we have the theme, impatience and mistrust. Impatience and mistrust. God works in a mysterious way. And the psalmist acknowledges this in Psalm 115 verse 3. It says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Nobody can query him. Nobody can question him. God called Abraham, Abraham this time, to depart from his father's land to a place that he will show him. God promised to make him great and his children uncountable. Abraham obeyed. He left his home country. He left everything. He left wonderful friends. He went with his wife and also his nephew Lot. Up to this time of this chapter 16, though God had promised, I will bless you. You shall be great. Your children shall be numerous. But as at the time of this chapter 16, no child had come. So I'm sure that the impatience and the mistrust manifested fully in this chapter 16. The wife was no longer patient enough, again, possibly patient with the husband or even with God Almighty. So what happened there? Let's go to that Genesis chapter 16. And let's take a few verses. Then we have idea of what happened there. You also have that in your bulletin. Let's turn to that Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarah and Abraham's wife had born him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Agar. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go in to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Agar, the vision, his servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went to Agar, and she conceived. Let's stop there. Now God had promised that they will have children, and their children will be countless. But up to this time, the promise had not manifested. And I, I suppose that was why this woman advised the husband and said, Who knows whether 
this child that God has said will come through this maid servant, through this house help. She wanted to help God. She was out of patience. Now, let's continue. Now, one thing also that we need to note as we continue is that Abraham and the wife were aging. No feeling of having any child or having children again. At this point, Sarah was 75 years and 3 months. While Abraham was 85 years and 3 months. And that we can see in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 16. I'm sure the wife must have thought about many things. She gave up in her mind. She gave up her faith. She gave up everything. And at times also, when we practically look at our situations, it may appear hopeless. No physical sign of transformation. Then our faith may grow weary, like that of Sarah here. The previous, in the previous verses, Sarah's plan to help God accomplish his purpose to Abraham, the husband. Instead of waiting to see if God will give Abraham an heir through Sarah, she will give a servant's girl she owned to Abraham as a second wife. If the girl became pregnant, because that was the custom, if the girl became pregnant, then the baby will belong to Sarah. It's also possible that Sarah thought God's intent was to provide a son through someone under than her. It's also possible that Sarah simply did not want to wait any longer for God's fulfillment. Either way, the plan was born out of desperation. The plan was born out of impatience. The plan was born out of doubt. The plan was born out of not being able to wait patiently for what God has said. It happens to us also that when we begin to look at the situation, though God has spoken, yet it has not manifested. We get agitated. We get worried. I want to explore plan B. I want to help God. And that is exactly what we see in this place. Abraham and also the wife wanted to help God. So Sarah called on the husband and gave him express permission to sleep with her house help. She wanted to help God and use plan B. What a decision. What do we say about Abraham here? Why did he obey the instruction of the wife? We may logically conclude that his faith had gone cold. But then, do we need to condemn what happened here? We need to look at the situation medically, psychologically, and culturally. Obviously, medically, no headway. No headway again. Because a woman of 75 years, I doubt if she will be menstruating again. I doubt if she will feel that she could also conceive again. So medically, there was no headway. Psychologically, they were both frustrated. And culturally, it was becoming a reproach to them. But one more thing was left out. 
spiritually. Abraham will have consulted God before yielding finally into the advice of his wife. She will have asked God, you promised that you will give us a child and that the child will now become so great that the child will multiply. But now nothing has happened. And look at what my wife has told me. Should I go ahead? Abraham did not consult God. Abraham did. He took it upon himself to take the advice of his wife. So we cannot commend what himself and the wife did here. Why? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, the Bible says, For we live by faith and not by sight. And that is where we are different. As Christians, the spiritual controls the physical. Our lives, is no, our lives are not guided by what we can see, by reason, by what we can test, by what we can examine. So Abraham will have consulted God and said, well, look at what my wife said. But that he didn't do. And this weak faith, this impatience, brought what I call generational problem. According to Wikipedia, the Islamic prophet Muhammad was an Ishmaelite through his forefather Edna. Thus, the major world religion, Islam, traces its origin back to Abraham's firstborn son, called Ishmael. Why the Jews and Christians trace back to his second son, Isaac? So finally, Agar became pregnant. And so when she became pregnant, jealous came. Ill-treatment came. Oppression came. Because Sarah could not withstand it. And also the girl became rude. And she was rude even to her master. And because of this, problem started. And so she had to run away. A guy fled out into the wilderness. She was ready to run for her life. To run to preserve the baby. But one thing about God is that God is excellent in justice. God does not want anybody to be oppressed. God was not happy about the treatment that Sarah was giving to the woman, to Agar. And so the angel of the Lord intercepted her in the wilderness and said, you, have, you need not to run. Where are you running to? Say, you have to go back there. But one thing you need to do is to submit yourself, is to humble yourself. Don't be rude to your master. Because this child inside of you will also become great. Now what do we see there? We now see the promise of God in a way that should have just been concentrated on Isaac alone. Being divided technically here. Because God said that Ishmael also shall be great. We'll get there. And he said his hand shall be against his brother. And his brother's hand shall be against him. We may not be able to explore in details today about that. But I will just attempt. And I know that Father will continue from there. But don't let me also quickly run away from the fact that God does not want anybody to be oppressed. So when this lady was oppressed, God wasn't happy. How do I know this? In Job chapter 37 and verse 23, 
Job 37 and 23, the Bible says, As for the Almighty, we cannot find him. He is excellent in power, in judgment, and abundant justice. He does not oppress. No wonder also in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 to 9, And the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard the cry, and I've heard their cry by the reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out, to bring them up out of that land, unto a good land and a, la a large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, and the Ammonites, and the Perizzites, and the Evites, and the Jebusites. Now behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. So God sent an angel to intercept Agar, not to go away, but return to the house. Here another important lesson also here. Important lesson about life. Application of knowledge. That means she must apply knowledge in dealing with her master. Wisdom in dealing with critical situations. Submission to her master. Humility. And no wonder also in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And with all that getting, get understanding. God didn't ask her to go back and fight her master. Submission is very important and also is part, important part of Christian virtue. God promised to protect her and her baby. God promised to make the child great. God promised Agar that Ishmael, as a son of Abraham, will become a great nation. You can see that also in Genesis chapter 21, verses 7 and 17 and 18. Genesis 21, 17 and 18. The fulfillment is now recorded in Genesis chapter 25, verses 12 to 18. Ishmael had 12 sons who became great rulers and eventually a nation of people. Eventually, Egan born for Abraham, his son. And Abraham called his name Ishmael. What do we see as the context summary of this chapter? In Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 16, this demonstrates that God hears and sees and cares, but that he won't be rushed or manipulated into keeping his promises. Take note of this. The, the Lord we serve, he hears us. He sees us. He cares for us. But he will never be rushed into being manipulated to actualize what he has promised for you or promised concerning you. That was exactly what happened in this place. In, the, in this case, by marrying Abraham to an Egyptian servant girl, the resulting pregnancy though leads to ash conflict and a surprising revelation from Lord to Agai. Our son Ishmael will not be the child, take note of that, will not be the child of the promise. Though he will become a great nation and his people 
we live in conflict with everyone. Abraham and Sarah will continue to wait for the arrival of their own son. Even though they were not patient, it was like a manipulation. They thought, oh, the deed was done. But God said, no way. That is not the child of promise. Though the child will be great, but you still need to wait. Let's go to Genesis chapter 16 and verse 16. I'm not, a I'm not a mathematician, but I want to ask you a question. Read Genesis 16 verse 16. And then tell me, how old was Abraham when Ishmael was born? Anybody? Look at that verse. Verse 16 of chapter 16. And tell me, how old, how old was Abraham when Ishmael was born? Pardon? Eight six? No. Oh, sorry. When I'm sorry. When uh, Ishmael was conceived, I mean, when Ishmael was conceived. How old? Eight five. Eight five plus what? Eighty-six. The Bible says when Ishmael was born, Abraham was four scores and six years. That is eighty-six. But how old was Abraham when that baby was conceived? At that point. So you just take nine months from that age when he was born. Is anyone getting confused? I hope I'm not confusing anybody. When that baby was born, before a baby will be born, the baby will be carried for how many months? How many months? Oh. Okay, let's leave that. Don't let us get distracted with that. But technically, when you look at that, before a child is born, the child will be carried for nine months. So at the point this advice came to Abraham from the wife, I suppose, and I'm not speaking in affirmative now, I suppose that Abraham was 85 years and three months old. Why uh, Sarah was 75 and three months. So you may do your further research thereafter. But don't let that distract you. So they needed to wait again. Let's assume now that, okay, by the time they now born the baby, Abraham was 86 years. When, how old was Abraham when Isaac came? Isaac was born. How old? I'm not talking about Ishmael now. I'm talking about Isaac. A hundred. Now, when you take 86 from 100, what do you have? 14. So it means that despite this impatience and mistrust, and that despite not being able to wait for the plan of God, God had to make them wait for another, another how many years? 14 good years. 
they waited for 14 good years before Isaac was born. What is this telling us as children of God? It's telling us that we cannot help God. He has plans for us even before we came into the world. We cannot manipulate him. All we have to do is to keep on waiting and trusting him. Take note of that. We keep on waiting and trusting him. He does not forget anybody. He doesn't forget you. He knows what you are going through. He knows how to actualize that plan in your life. He knows when. And then all we need to do is to adjust ourselves to the timing of God. Many of us as Christians today, we are so much impatient that we, not, we can no longer adjust ourselves to the timing of God. And that's why we make mistakes. And that's why we, we, we stumble. And that's why we do things that are not expected. And that is why our faith just goes down. But when you wait, though I must say, waiting upon the Lord is very difficult. It's not as simple as any preacher will say. It is a practical, difficult you know, situation. But we do not have any other option. We must wait. And that's why Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Our waiting therefore will be meaningful. If we truly become friends of God, that means if we accept him as our Lord and Savior, if we renounce our sins, if we truly embrace his righteousness, if we embrace holiness, then our waiting will be meaningful. But if we say you are waiting upon the Lord and you are doing things that are opposite to what he expects from you, it's just mere wasting of time. You must do things that are pleasing unto him. Then wait. When you wait, I can assure you that his promise and promises will never fail in your life, in my life, as this promise did not fail in the life of Abraham and his wife. Though they waited all together for 25 years, but the promise manifested. And that's why I can also say to you as a preacher too, that it doesn't matter how tarry, it doesn't matter how you think the promise is delaying. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep walking in that confidence. Keep walking in that faith. I can assure you that at the end of the day, God will remain faithful to whatever he has said concerning you and I. And to close it up, in John chapter 15 and verse 5, the Bible says, I am divine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, that's where I'm going now. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Except we wait and remain in him, we cannot do anything. We have learned from the life of Abraham and Sarah here. God will have just said, well, you made the mistake, and then that child will remain the child of promise. But God said, no way. That is not the child of promise. You still need to wait. God will have given them maybe the following year, but that would be too close. God made them to wait for another 14 years to let them, to let them know that he is God, and he will never fail in whatever he has said. 
I pray that as we continue in this journey, that the grace of the Almighty God will be sufficient for us to keep trusting the Lord and to keep walking in that confidence and our faith will not grow weary. Shall we bow our heads as we pray? I'd like you to just speak to God for a moment. I don't know what is bothering your mind. I don't know what you are waiting for. Just as Abraham and Sarah waited, but they could not wait. They were exhausted and they took other route. They took other route to the promise, but they missed it. Why don't you just tell God to strengthen your faith, to encourage you, so that you will not stagger in faith. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen.